and welcome to Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I'm Hannah Hart. And I'm Hannah Gelb. And this week, we talk to uh, a novelist, a caretaking expert, a doctor, and all around a magnificent woman who is teaching us how to live out loud and age excellently, Dr. Cheryl Woodson. Truly, I feel like a different person after talking to her. Like, I'm so grateful I was able to talk to this woman. Or actually, not even talk to her, just listen to her. <laughs> oh, I know. She was so, tr- like, we're so most, lucky we got to, ah. Uh, the most know. You know what? Uh, refreshing, like, joyful, like, like here Grounded. I am walking around being like, I guess I'll just. And wait for my body to die. And then she's like, anyway, so then my aunt who's in her 80s fucking dumped her 60-year-old boyfriend because he sucked. Uh, yeah. Well, Hannah, no spoilers. Let's oh, let sorry. them enjoy the episode. <laughs> Although I will say, she was like an autumn breeze, rich in its fullness, and yet the breath of winter and spring still to come. Dr. Cheryl Woodson. Hello, how are you both? <laughs> oh, we're doing well. Thank you for being here so much. Yes, thanks we're for so having excited me. to have you. You're actually our, uh, well, actually, Hannah Hart has been with a guest, but you are the first guest that I've been able to chat with, I think, since before the pandemic. So this is very oh, exciting. Yeah, not just the voices in our head this week, huh, honey? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's good to be seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, it is. Um, so we we're so excited to have you here, and I know we're going to talk, um, you know, about some pretty dense topics, topics that are, are very personal to me, and that Hannah also is curious about with her family. Topics of caretaking um, for our for our listeners. I wanted to just give them <clears throat> maybe just a, a really brief. Uh, we've got all your bio and everything, but how would you summarize yourself? And then we're going to ask you questions about romance novels. Okay. Um... <laughs> I had three of my four grandparents until I was in my 20s and was very close to them. So old people were not bad. You know, they protected you from your parents. It was really important. And I just got tired of, in my medical training, 30-some-year-old white male residents calling 80-some-year-old black women by their first name. And I I got over that. Um, And started to teach because... I could make that stop on my service when I was a resident, but I couldn't stop everybody else. So that's when I decided to teach. Mm. And it's just been a great ride. I loved every single minute of it. And I'm loving retirement just as much. <laughs> <laughs> so you worked in, <clears throat> pardon me. So you worked in uh, geriatrics, it says here, for like 40 years. For and almost 40 I, years. I also really, I think that we don't teach our, our, our young people um, to address people like with a little respect, like Miss Miss Woodson, you know, Mister, etc., Misses, etc. So I really love that, like you were, because it, it's it's dignity. It's a, a feeling of mutual well, respect and recognition. There was an interview that somebody did with Maya Angelou, and it's it's on television. And this young girl stepped up and said Maya, and she checked her really hard. She said, "Wait, to Maya Angelou, enough years." Yeah to call me by my first name. <laughs> wow. And that girl is not going to forget that. Never. 
Never. <laughs> Once oh she my... gets up off the floor, <laughs> then she won't forget it anymore. Oh my gosh. It wasn't nasty, it just was. No, it's yeah. the truth. And what it's... an honor to be reprimanded by to Maya be checked. Angelou. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, um, we we uh, wanted to have you on the podcast because you've published two books, or the more recent books, uh, To Survive Caregiving, A Daughter's Experience and A Doctor's Advice, which is absolutely lovely. And your more recent one, The Doctor is In, Answering Your Questions About How to Survive Caregiving. I need to read both of these books for my own personal well-being, but there's other books uh, Hannah Gell brought this up to me in our little pre-call as we were nervously pitter-pattering, being like, oh, I can't wait to talk to Dr. Show. What's it? Yes, I was just reading. I was um, on your website reading your little bio. and I like, was like, she know. sent us her documents. And, and meanwhile, Hannah Gell was like doing deep web internet oh, searching. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad oh, I don't have any weird pictures. <laughs> not, not that I found so far, but I do. I could go deeper. Um <laughs> But yes, I was reading, you know, all this incredibly uh, impressive, like, uh, Dr. Woodson's been a doctor for this many years and is on the board of this and that. And she started this and is such an advocate for elder care. And then, like, kind of at the very end, and she also writes fiction under the pseudonym Teria Taria Robbins, Robbins, yeah. Robbins uh, which features grown, grown-ass women heroines. Uh, experiencing romance it's yeah. like oh my god well, <laughs> this is like a once know, in a lifetime opportunity line, my tagline for my whole business is live out loud and age excellently oh and wow i yeah. have a 95 year old aunt who was teaching three line dancing classes a week before the pandemic had major surgery almost died in february and is now back in her independent apartment walking a mile every you know so i've grown up seeing that Mm. seeing that you live out loud and mm-hmm. um so and I age really excellently. Have no choice. I have to follow her <laughs> and it means doing all the things that give you joy and writing has always settled me are you are yeah I mean fiction is daunting to me I've also written but it's always been like essays and you know narrative and whatnot and I almost feel like you know <laughs> in truth writing fiction is even more vulnerable, you know, because yeah. I can control my narrative. I can control exactly what I like. I show you in my words when I'm talking about something like this. But when you write fiction, you just it flow. It's it's so brave. I mean, you know, on top well, of well, the first novel I ever wrote is called now called The Sounds of Cajun Spice. Oh. And spice either tastes or smells, right? But I heard all of this music and it's set in Chicago and New Orleans. So the music and the food is just amazing. But I first wrote it before I wrote anything, before I wrote the first caregiver book. And it was just too painful. Mm. It was too painful. Oh. And when I, after I published the first novel and, and decided to start working on the second one, that one, I realized, oh, I didn't bury the bodies deep enough. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking <laughs> this about. This is like way too raw. And so I that's had to go I'm back and rewrite it and preserve the essence of it without so many details. But writing since I was six, I've been writing since I was six. Oh. Because paper holds your pain and your anger. And it's the stuff that you get slapped if you say to your mother <laughs> or your <laughs> boss or something. So it's a way to do it. <laughs> 
and then put it away. And when you come back, you see if you've grown or if you still have some work to do. And yeah. so I think writing is one. So. A, a paper is, a, is the best listener, you know, and, uh, like Dr. Cheryl Woodson, do you have your own podcast? Because I think you should. By the way, <laughs> well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to do online courses. Oh, that's smart. that's yeah. what I would like to do. I I'm not I don't want to scramble around to find people to interview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And honestly, what I want is to write and travel. Oh, so yeah. if I can film up some stuff and put it up there, and maybe I, I think I would like to do a caregiver mastermind though, where a bunch of caregivers I get to talk to them. But I I want to travel and write, so that yeah. means not working forty hours a week and not yeah not being locked into like a single location. Well, we'd love I'd love to talk to you more about that because I've I've done I got a lot of experience in like personal video production and mobile you I know would stuff love like to that. Talk to you about oh that. oh yeah, I'm the content person. I am a techno cripple. Oh. Then you're in, you are in good approachable hands, my friend. Like that is, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, I can't help it. It's my like natural, you know how it is when you're raised a caretaker. I was raised a parentalized child. Like, you know, my mom is schizophrenia. I've got a whole, I've got a whole kit and caboodle of my own, but it's not about me um, here today. Uh, but, you know, that impulse when you know something about something and someone says, I need to learn about this, that impulse of I can help. You know, I can help. Uh, I've gotten really good at not doing it always. So I don't. (laughs) Well, you know, that comes from the whole idea of codependency. Oh, yes, it does. And understanding that you're a nurturer and we're a nurturer. We're nurturers and we value that in ourselves. I mean, it grounds us. It's who we are. And so we're going to give. And sometimes we're going to give till it hurts. But we are never supposed to give until we are damaged. And that's the difference. And I got another book. Hurts as a sign. A book I wrote for my daughter. Uh, My daughter almost died. It's called Dear Lauren, Love Mom, 31 Days of Affirmations for My Daughter, for Myself, and for You. And I plastered these affirmations all over her hospital wall. And as I wrote them, they spoke to me and healed some things that I had been too busy taking care of everybody else to hear from myself. And it's really every single day, there's an affirmation that you can read that sort of grounds you in you. Mm. <laughs> and there's a section, a, a several of them are how to treat yourself. There's a section on how to teach other people how to treat you. Because mm. we allow that. We allow that. I always oh, yeah. say you can't get kicked in the butt if you don't bend over. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and then I, I, there's a section on how to just live with grace, walk through this world with joy and grace. So the thing about what takes you from caregiving to codependency is not understanding where you're damaged, where that line is. Yeah. And realizing that it's okay to say no. Yeah. The very first affirmation in this book is I am worth it just as I am. Yeah. And and then also, yeah, I, I, I'm, so I just, 
I, every, I'm very, very, very happy and pleased, very happy to be talking with you. And I'm very excited about 31 Days of Affirmations because I've recently discovered how powerful affirmations truly are by replacing the negative self-talk in your head or the they reacted this way or, oh, I've got to anticipate when this person's about to pop off because yada, 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 um, especially. Part of that is about trust. I'm, I'm doing a talk tomorrow on resilience. And one of the Ooh. things is look back at what you've already come through. You're still that same person. So, and, and I'm a martial artist. So trust, I mean, um, strength is not this, it's this. It's like, bring it, because I am who I say I am. And it means trusting that if you take a hit, you're going to get up. You don't yeah. have to always be so defensive. Oh, mm-hmm. man. What do you think is going to, and Hannah, sorry, I'm just so excited. And I know, I know I'm, I'm trying to be mindful of it, but you spoke about resilience. And I just have to say that, as someone who has already learned how to navigate like their caretaking, as someone who's really allowed themselves to like age excellently and really listen to your own voice, isn't it wild watching the entire nation like get that this isn't going away? That like get it? Like get what like what scares me is that there are people who don't get it. Oh, because but probably because they don't know how resilience, they probably can't even fathom it. How do I I mean, I have somebody that was very close to me, very accomplished man. Um, He was an IT person in his earlier life. So I would have thought the move to virtual would work, but he just could not stop thinking about the way it was and didn't pivot. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but X might work. You know, what's plan B? And um, it was very sad for him. Very, very Mm. sad. Mm. So a lot think- of the things that he did no longer existed, you know, but well, there were things that were available. I, I stopped saying the things he could have done because if he could have done them, he would have, you know, some reason why he couldn't, but there were things that were available yeah. that he just couldn't pivot. And that there are a lot of people who worship sameness. And if you worship sameness, you're done. Right. And the I only think, thing that's the same is that everything changes. <laughs> right. Well, people, and, we, fe- we fear change. And, <laughs> and but it comes being... anyway. It comes whether you fear it or not. Uh, right, I don't know right. who, I think maybe my mom used to say this. The only thing that's stillness is death. Like, that's the only thing. But like, which is the ultimate change, right? Mm, but mm-hmm. uh, like martial arts, which you've mentioned, you're also a martial artist. Um, but like martial arts, you know, sometimes you got to turn and show less of your body. You don't need to show everybody your whole front body all the you time. You don't square up. Mm-mm. Yeah, you know. Um, but but okay. the other thing is that you cannot break a board if you don't see it. So if you're trying to do a reverse something and break a board behind you, you got to get your head around first. And if either of you ride a motorcycle, you know that you don't stare at anything you don't want to hit. Because mm. where oh. your eyes go is where your body goes. And Motorcycles. if you look down, that's where you go. Up is that yeah. way. Yeah. Wow. This applies even just to a bicycle for me. It's I anything. Think. I mean, <laughs> where your eyes go is where your life goes. So don't look down. Yeah. And I the know. only thing you look back for is to remember how you already did this. So I, I got this. Let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hannah, Hannah and I were talking and she said, you know, that she like, I want to bring up how inspiring it is that you have continued, uh, I know it sounds so 
whack, but this is just so much of how our culture is formed that you don't get to learn new things. And Hannah and I have always shared, like, like I got a guitar over there, a ukulele over there, like a whatever. And, and here you are with being like a martial artist. Like how, when did you start allowing yourself to live out loud and age excellently? Like, I, like you know what I mean? Because hobbies. Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Hannah. Because my anterior. I watched my anterior and my mother. I was raised by powerful people, men and women, who had to overcome great adversity. And so plan B is what you did. <laughs> you know, plan A very rarely worked. So it's plan B. And also to understand the role of joy, because joy and happiness are not the same thing. Mm. Do you, will you speak more? Will you speak more to that? Yeah. One of the affirmations in Lauren's book is about that. Happiness, I think, is high. You know, I was happy on my birthday. But joy is mm, deeper. You know, I know that I'm going in the right direction. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. And even if it's not feeling good right now, this is where I'm supposed to be. And that's joy. Joy doesn't go away. Nothing can take your joy. Mm. Happiness, you know, as soon as that thing doesn't work, then you're not happy anymore. But that has nothing to do with your joy. Not a thing. And I learned this. I mean, I have mentors. I have amazing mentors that just, I watch the way they live their lives. They ran into a wall and got up and figured out another way. And now you've become a mentor. I hope so. Oh, Oh, I I think so. (laughs) In both directions. I mean, I'm part of the Chicago Innovations Program has the ladder program where um, people of color are mentoring younger people of color to try to help them get into their success. But I'm learning as much from her as she's learning from me. I love the intergenerational stuff. You know, like the old folks teach the young folks some wisdom and the young folks teach them how to handle IT. <laughs> it works. <laughs> There's just, it, the, learn, the mentoring goes in all directions. You can learn something from anybody. That's so wonderful. It's so refreshing to but hear. But it's because, true. Yeah. I feel like the the general conditioning that I've received is just aging is bad, scary, uh, shameful, you know. And also you become more irrelevant as you age. And that obviously is so well, not our society true. is structured that way. Because humans are products but in you our don't society. Have to accept that. I mean, when Aunt Terry was eighty nine years old. She bounced her 68-year-old boyfriend of 10 years because when he retired, he wanted her at his beck and call. And she said, oh, I don't think so. (laughs) I I grew up with women and men who just kicked it. I mean, my grandfather escaped from South Carolina ahead of a Ku Klux Klan lynching mob in 1900 and raised his six kids with my grandmother. And all of these people had a smile. It was like, okay, what's next, you know? all of them. Yeah. And when you come from that, you have no choice. I mean, I'll send you a picture of my Aunt Terry. If 95 looks like that, 66 ain't got no, you wouldn't, you know, I have no excuses. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, when we jumped on this call, I thought you were like 51. Wait till you see her. Okay. My Aunt Laura who died at 90 something. Her skin was just would you mind if we if we showed that picture to our patrons? She won't mind. She won't mind. Okay, good. Uh, if you want to see a picture of uh, Aunt Terry, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash analyze this. And if you want to hear more from Cheryl Woodson and us, then get ready because we're going to keep talking uh, right after this. 
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back! <laughs> I think I will build a small shrine to Aunt Terry. Actually, just to remember. We should all build a small shrine. She she had to have half of her colon removed emergently and almost died. And I asked my friends to send her cards. And she got cards from all around the world. And she's going, why are these people calling me Aunt Terry? I said, because you're the Aunt Terry too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so wonderful. the most amazing person. You know, what I... Here, here's my vi- here's my vision right now is that this book you wrote for Lauren, your daughter, this book of affirmations. I think that one of the best things about digital production is that you know you could read every single one of those affirmations out loud, and 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 share that side. Of the- well, here's what I'm trying to say: we have lots of different ways to consume messages. And something I learned in 2020 when I went dark off the internet and needed to educate myself substantially was that there are so many different ways to spread messages. There's Instagram pictures. There's audio, like just listening to a podcast or listening to an affirmation. There's, you know, the written word, et cetera, et cetera. And it's so magnificent because we've been able to reach out to people who just don't learn the same way. Right. You know, mm-hmm. there's more room for learning. And that's something that uh, my, my shred of optimism um, is often invested in that is that like we don't even know what's possible, possible because we now have new ways to talk to people in a way they can maybe understand. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. one of the things I'm really excited about is that I did so many virtual conferences and book discussions about Lauren's book that people asked for a discussion manual. And so the workbook and journal is going to come out the end of this month. Look at you. So what, wow. So are you, what's your public, like, what's your, well, okay. Let me look at the outline. Let me look at the outline of the call. (laughs) This is always what happens to us. We have a beautiful outline and then we just end up talking. Um, Go ahead, Hannah. You want, go ahead. Oh, well, I want to, I was going back to what you were saying about pivoting. It seems like that is so much easier when you do have a a well of resilience. And if it's, but I do want to believe if you're not capable of pivoting at a time, you can like build that skill. Yes. And I think for, I say this all the time, my father dropped dead two weeks after I started medical school, unexpectedly. If that didn't break me, what can? You know, if that didn't break me, why is the idea of dating somebody at 60 a problem? And it's like, we've already, 
you've already been through worse than you're afraid of. You know, mm-hmm. your mom died or you lost a job that you were really invested in and you're still here. Yeah. You're that same person. Pull that, pull that yeah. and use it for the next thing. See, people yeah. forget who they are because our society doesn't value experience. But if you look mm-hmm. at what you, you know, that, that old Mahalia Jackson song, my soul looks back and wonders how I got over. Look at that and realize mm-hmm. you still have that. Nobody took that from you. You can mm-hmm. apply that to the next thing. I always say that life, I, life is in 30 year blocks. And yeah. in the first 30 years, you, oh, how am I going to do this? I'm going to go to college. What am I gonna do? Second 30 years, you think you're the stuff. You're in that corner office and that's your stuff. And then you can't see anything. You know, and then you get twinges in the hinges. Or your boss hires somebody half your age, wants you to train them for a position that you have to report to. You know, stuff happens. And that third 30 years, people don't know what to do because they think they were in control in the second 30 years and they don't know how to let that go. It's not about your job description. It's about your skills, you know? Yeah. And you have something in that third 30 years that you didn't have in the first 30 years. You have wisdom and resilience. And a LinkedIn contact list? Oh! <laughs> I was going to say, and community, you and know? And a community. And a community. You know, it's, so it's like, you know, I, I kind of, I think I hear what you're asking, Hannah, which is that let's say, and to put it in like really blunt terms, well, let's say you don't have any traumatic events somehow. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got stuff. And if you're, when hearing this magnificent word, uh, these this these tokens of wisdom that you're giving us, I know there are people who think to themselves, well, I haven't suffered enough to try and be happy. And that is so, such a false construct of society. That is meant to keep your beating heart down. That is meant to weaken you. You know, it's that guilt, that shame. Over 15 years old, that's a lie. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that, yes. You ran into a college professor who gave you a hard time or a roommate who gave you a hard time or, or a situation where you had to overcome your fear to get back up. It's something. Yeah. And if you're a woman, you've had a kiss you didn't want. You know? Just existing <laughs> in the world has UCLA, been hard. I was in an office and somebody walked behind me. Somebody I knew. He was somebody I didn't consider like a close friend, but I knew who he was. And he slapped me on my backside. This is 1986. And as he cleared my right arm, I slid him. I punched that boy so hard. Because my mother said, don't you ever. My mother was five foot two. Most of it was hair. And she did not graduate from high school. She wasn't playing that one minute of the day. Yeah. Don't you ever let somebody touch you in a way you don't want. And so when my daughter came along, when she and her friends were 16, my ex-husband taught them all how to drive a stick because a woman has to be able to drive anything. And I taught them how to stick their finger down their throat and throw up on somebody because that will slow them down a little bit. But my daughter has a second degree black belt and I said, drop him. I'll get a lawyer and help you get out of this all charge. <laughs> drop him. We'll deal I- with the rest. You do not have to put up with that. And we told all these little girls to program our numbers into their phones. And what you do is you call me and go to the bathroom because that I'll know where to look for you. Yeah. And um, we'll come get you 24 seven, no questions asked. And we'll tell your mom, 
you're with yeah. us. And then the next day we'll go with you while she beats you up. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> but at the time, call and go to the bathroom and we'll know where to look for you. And Memorize we just sat them down when they turned 16. Um, that's and that's good. That's good. I loved it. I wish uh, that's that's great. Hannah. Yes. Uh, what I love get, so much is I feel like. Tell them about your car. Here, oh, yes, I shall. I'll get there. But okay. I, <laughs> I, I feel like what the sense I get from everything that you say is like you already have everything you need. You know, you don't have to get anywhere or become something different. It's like. It's all there. It's just like waiting for you. If you want to get somewhere or you want to be something different, you can. But you have to let go of what you think defines you. And that's one of the things that COVID has done for us because everything that defined us wasn't there anymore. Right. We had to keep going, whether it was jobs, whether it was relationships, whether it was being able to go to the movies, go to the Mm -hmm. gym, go to church. You know, our whole routine got disrupted. I think the other thing COVID showed us is that time is short mm. and we don't know it's not about age nick yeah. cordero was 40 some years old you know like people so you don't know how much time is left you're on this side of the ground let's kick it let's kick it yeah <laughs> let's kick it. because I, you don't know when and also to keep your i love you's up to date because you mm. don't know mm. if you might not see that person or they might not see you you don't and- know for you know one of the ways that 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 made itself yes 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 and one of the ways my life was changed was that i had i had built my life on being a caretaker and a nurturer and trying to be a middle ground and walk people across this bridge so it's like first i build the bridge okay good i i didn't die i'm i built this bridge and now i'm telling people about it and now i'm going to pull people across it with me oh oh wait I can't. I'll just stay on the wrong side of the bridge with them because they won't come with me. And what am I going to do? Not have them in my life? And the answer for me was, no, I'm going to walk across this bridge I spent my whole life building to get to a place where I could exist. And if they're not going to come with me, that's on them. That's not on me. Or the other thing that you can do is you can put them in a different place in your heart. I know, but I'm 35. I'm not. I'm not wise enough for that yet. It took a lot. Yes, to, it took a lot. It took a lot. Well, what, so no, what, I know what, you're right. what if you're married to them? I mean, you know, you you may not. Oh. You may you may choose yeah. not to get away from them, but yeah. you have to move them out of that emotional space. Right, because they're still in my head every day. Mm. They're still in my head every day, and I need to say like, I need. I do. You're right. Move to a different place in your heart. Do you want to speak, Hannah? I saw you at, go to ask a question about that. Like, oh or no, what, sorry. No, I'm gonna go. Go ahead. Are you sure? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's you know along the topic of caretaking is the one of the ways it comes to an end, you know. And uh, I feel like there are people in codependent relationships who, at any point in their life, can realize, oh my God, this dynamic is not serving me but and i still have love for this person but i have i have love for myself and so i'm going to put them in the safer in the safe place for them in my heart the safe which, place for me safe place for me they can't yes. be in the place where yes, i still yes. hurt. they got to yes, be correct. yeah that so it doesn't like um like ink and water you know what i mean you're going to put them in like a little little vial not going to add drops not going to add drops you know, I got to keep my vessel clear. Yeah. And that's been, that's been big. 
Hannah's learning stick shift right now. (laughs) Yes, I am. And this has been so inspiring because it has been scary. Uh, But now I feel like next time I go get in that car, I'm going to be like, what? (laughs) Because you can drive the car. You can control mm. the car. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. I mean, Hannah, you play video games. I'm sure you're going to be able to be like, you know, and you got your left foot. I don't, I'm, I'm a little intimidated by it. I'm not intimidated by a lot of things. It's like a dance, you know, but the other thing. Right. It's like, and also it's like, not about thinking. It's about muscle memory. If you, you can, can play, play a banjo, you can play a banjo. But you're getting in touch with how your engine's sounding. You know, yeah. Struggling or, you know. But, it's really um, made me appreciate cars more, I have to say. <laughs> you know, for, um snow it's great because you don't have to throw on brakes and spin out you can downshift and it's really great saved my life a number of times that's this is our west coast california oh i know we're like snow i didn't even think about that (laughs) well it's wind chills of mine is crazy here in chicago and you're moving Oh, but I'm yes. staying in Chicago. I'm just moving south, back out there. Oh, love Chicago. I do, but I think I'm going to move to Delaware. Oh, in a couple of years. Oh, oh. yes. Because you can um, be in New York for breakfast, Philly for lunch, DC for dinner. You can be in the mountains. <laughs> and, you know, drive to New England. You know, it's like I'm from Philly originally, so being on that side of the world might be fun for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny because I feel like we're taught so much to build attachments that really lock us down. But the more, once you pull back the veil of labor and production in America, once you pull off the veil of like, you are a cog in this wheel that hurts all life, you know, (laughs) we talk about that a lot on this podcast, but once you pull back that veil, the idea of allowing yourself to be fluid and to follow your inner truth is a, comes from such a deeper wisdom than we in our minds are even aware of. Like we are composed up of cells that have lived and lived and lived and lived, you know? So if your heart, if your mind and heart and, and time on this earth is saying, write that romance novel, Hannah Gelb, or whatever, <laughs> just fucking do it, you know? Yes. It also is about, you know, somebody just asked me, what's the one piece of wisdom that's affected me most in my life? And oh, do you love that question? Manage your money well so that you never have to put up with a toxic relationship, a toxic mm. boss. Um, manage your money. Yeah. Manage your money. I, I feel like right now, there's a whole wave of epiphany and revelation that is really sinking people who don't know their resilience yet, you know? And with books like yours, it helps people who maybe have resilience but still overexert themselves. Like uh, the person I was in 2020, frankly, I was gonna, I, I made myself sick. Like I was 108 pounds at one point or 110. It was bad. My stomach is, you know, your stomach's your second brain. There's a great book called The Deepest Well by Dr. Nadine Harris that talks about et cetera, et cetera. But um, that books like this and your work and sharing your affirmations with Lauren help people help people in a way that's healthy because they're first recognizing and honoring and helping themselves. Well, you know, there are people who believe that, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, right? But if you don't love yourself, how do you know how to love them? 
you know? Mm-hmm. And like, oh, yeah. Like the golden rule is do unto others, right? Right. The silver rule is do unto yourself as you do unto others. You know, I always ask people, if somebody told you the story you just told me, would you call them any of the names that you have called yourself? Why can we not give ourselves the grace that we give other people? And then the platinum rule is don't do anything for anybody else that they should be doing for themselves. <laughs> oh, the platinum rule. Yeah, you oh, can't I like want that. It for them more than they want it. You know I like this mean? platinum rule. Right. Oh, these, these are not mine. I can't remember where I got them from, but I can't claim them. <laughs> I just use them a lot. But yeah, well, you uh, can't want it more from somebody than they want it for themselves. And it's well, not giving up, it's giving in. You know, it's dude, like, it so is. It it's so like, is. Okay, you you got this because I can't I can't hold this for you anymore. You you mm-hmm. got this. Well, Dr. Cheryl Woodson, I want to be mindful of our time. Um, We're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come back. And then uh, I think Hannah and I actually have two different questions. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're back again. Um, now, Cheryl Wilson, uh, or Woodson, sorry, Dr. Dr. Cheryl Woodson. <laughs> See, look, I just told you guys, right, about the short-term memory. Right. Uh, or like, and I feel like uh, Dr. Cheryl Woodson could speak a lot about short-term memory in um, her caregiving experience. And sleep deprivation causes medication errors. So you want to get enough sleep. And medications are the, I think it's the third most common reason why older adults end up in the hospital. So getting sleep is really important. Sleep heals the body. Mm. Sleep heals the body. I just changed. There were two middle of the night doses for lady's eye. And then we'll get back in and do your question hand, of course. But I just changed her schedule a bit to give her like a six hour chunk. Because I was like, I can't keep waking this cat up every four hours. She's not going to heal. And she had a cold and it went away. Anyway. Well, I have five keys to caregiver survival. And the second key is take the S off your chest or step away from the kryptonite. You do need help. And the only way to get the sleep that you need is to let people help you. You have to find people to help. Mm. Ella was allowed to feed lady this morning. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, Dr. Cheryl Woodson, we're so happy to have you with us. But uh, but, before you go, um, Hannah, I want to make sure that we have, you you have this premeditated question. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, I, so I noticed on some of the info about you, I was reading, you mentioned caregiving is harder now than in the past. And I was wondering why that would be. There's, I call it the crisis in caregiving, that caregiver resources have dropped while caregiver responsibilities have gone up. There are more older adults than ever before because the baby boomers were the largest bunch of babies, teenagers. And so when they turned 65, that was the largest bunch of seniors the country had ever seen. Mm-hmm. But medical science has allowed people to live longer. So as more people age into the senior years, the people who were already seniors are still there. Mm-hmm. So that compounds the numbers. But the problem is that medical science has allowed us to live longer without better health. 
So people are sicker now than they were before. I mean, stuff that you would have died from, now you live with increasing disability for years and years and years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Now on the caregiver side, each generation had fewer kids. Right. My my great grandmother had eight kids. My grandmother had six. My mother had two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when we were taking care of my grandmother, my mother and her sisters, everybody lived within walking distance. When my mother got sick, she was in Philadelphia. I was in Chicago. My brother was in Haiti. (laughs) So people are living around the country, not around the corner. (gasps) And when my mother was taking care of my grandmother, my grandmother's youngest grandchild was 11 years old. When my mother got sick, my son was two. Mm. And when she died, my daughter was seven. So you had a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, we all do. Also, my when my grandmother was needed care, most of her caregivers were either out of the workforce or worked less than 40 hours a week. I worked 60 hours a week. Mm. And my yeah. mother got sick. So you have more caregiving responsibility, competing responsibilities because people's kids are younger. You're, you're caregiving from a farther distance and there's more of them who are older and sicker for a longer period of time. No previous generation of caregivers has ever seen this. We are, it's, I'm just absorbing that information and we are so blessed now to have, I'm so grateful to your mother because the wisdom that you have from these experiences, the, the, there's a great poem that says, someone I once loved gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to know this too was a gift. The, the loss of your mother, the loss of your father, right before medical school, all of this has come together and has made you a person who's sharing resources with other people. And that is such a gift. But I also, like right after my father died, Marsha Antel showed up you know, a faculty member of mine who made sure I graduated on time. You know, if she didn't see me every day, she called me. If, she, if I didn't answer the phone, she came to my house. So every time something happens, you have to look for your angels because they're there. Mm. They're there. Mm. They're people who are going to get you through this. And then you have to be an angel for somebody else. They're the there. Time. You're not just, you're not I, I, like, it's not an emotional vacuum. It's a cycle. You know, like Hannah's been my angel. I've been her angel. Those are relationships. And we can be casual angels to the people we pass by because we have our real angels here with us. You know, Uh, everyone, you must please, please, everybody listening, all of our precious earbuds, please check out Dr. Cheryl Woodson. um, And and your website is drcherylwoodson.com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Um, again, her her books, which I'm literally going to order right now, uh, to survive caregiving, <laughs> a daughter's experience and a doctor's advice, and the doctor is in answering your questions about how to survive caregiving. I feel like I'm going to get. I think I want to read the doctor is in first personally because I can be like, okay, sounds like I'm okay. How to survive? Got it. Got it. Got it. You know. Well, um, the, the first one is a general overview, and the second one is specific questions that people asked. That's. Mm. I think those questions are in my head, so I really okay. want to ask them. Yeah. Well, please. <laughs> Anybody who gets it, please send me something and let me know how it worked for you. If you have questions and put a review up on Amazon for me. That helps mm. a lot. And Goodreads and Goodreads. Thank you. Amazon and Goodreads. Yep, you're right. Thank yeah. you. So how how can people reach you if they want to talk to you? the website. You can reach me through the website. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. 
but there's Ooh. a contact thing through the website and you can come on over. Look at those and healthy March, boundaries. I'm hoping to put up my online courses. One will be the five keys to caregiver survival. But I also have one called the magic of menopause. <laughs> oh, the sexiest time. Well, the whole idea is to live out loud and age excellently. That's what they'll all be about. Gosh, oh, and then wonderful. I guess we'll have to do a whole different episode with you, uh, Cheryl, where we can just talk about that. <laughs> I mean, I would love, well, we need to get you back so we can talk to, to Rhea Robbins, my friend. You know, ah. to, no, that's who we got to talk yeah, to. I stole my Aunt Terry's name. That's how that happened. And okay. I wanted oh, to be as close so to Nora Roberts on the bookshelves as possible. Oh, but that's so smart. Oh, my goodness. I love that's, it. Oh, it's truly smart. We're going to say goodbye and thank you. And then I'd love to also hear you say the five tools of caregiver survival again. Is that okay? Mm. First one is find out if you need help. Don't put your head in the sand because ostriches get their backside shot off all the time. The second one is take the S off your chest or step away from the kryptonite because you do need help. The third one is don't ask, don't tell, won't work. You have to tell people you need help. The fourth one is if you don't want to have to drive all the time, take your hands off the steering wheel. You have to let people help because sometimes we don't. And the fifth one is to do what flight attendants say to do in case of an airline emergency. Put your mask on first. You can't take care of them if you don't take care of them. Thank you, Dr. Awesome. Cheryl Woodson. Thank Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank oh, you for being so here. It's been so wonderful. I uh, truly, my cup is full, my friend. And uh, <laughs> earbuds, make sure to get your books. Uh, check us out every Sunday here on Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.